Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Life of Riley podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Riley, and this is episode 11 with Denise Ellerick. This was a really good time recording this. We recorded it back on November 20th. Today is December 4th as I record this. Things got a little crazy around Thanksgiving and whatnot. I've been super busy in my regular life, and so I'm just getting around to finally getting this out to you guys today. Uh, the good news is my daughter's here and in town, and we're going to do an episode. Episode 12 will likely be with my daughter Taylor, which is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I also just did uh, a video with her on her YouTube channel. Uh, a couple days ago that was super fun um so i'll put a link to that or maybe i'll put a link to it when uh taylor does the show anyway denise and i got together chatted for a couple of hours back on the 20th talked about local politics national politics uh jobs people personalities all kinds of different stuff. It was just one of those really natural, organic, flowing conversations, and we just kind of let it go wherever it wanted to. Uh, Denise is super cool lady. I just met her, well, I don't know, a few months back, I guess. And, uh, you know, we started communicating a bit on Facebook. Uh, met her through producer Wendy, as I meet so many people these days. And uh, Denise seems to think that, that she might know some other people that might want to come on as guests. So onward and upward, fellow soldiers. It <laughs> should be fun. Uh, anyway, I don't want to keep you for too long before we get into the episode. I do want to remind you, however, especially with the holidays coming up, to visit our Amazon button on lifeofriley.podbean.com where if you click on that, it takes you straight through to Amazon to do your holiday shopping. And nothing costs you any more, but they toss uh, a, a few little shekels our direction uh, in thanks for driving our folks to their site. Uh, anything that we, any revenue that we gain through the Amazon uh, affiliation is purely going straight back into the podcast for equipment and whatnot. So if you wouldn't mind, uh, much appreciated to your Amazon shopping through lifeofriley.podbean.com. Bookmark it. Uh, also, don't forget to check, out, check us out on iTunes. Rate and review. Five stars is always a good choice. And write a review. Um, helps move us up in the search results on iTunes which is super important. Uh, you can also do the Podbean app if you don't have Apple. Uh, if you don't have an Apple device to listen to the podcast on, you can go to our website, and they have an app for I, uh, iOS devices as well as Android devices. So there you have it. Don't forget to hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, um, and email lifeofrileypod at gmail.com if you have questions, comments uh, show ideas know of somebody I should have on the show you want to come on the show, any of that good stuff right? right okay, I've blathered on enough here in the intro let's get right to episode 11 with Denise Ellerick 
Let's do this. Has anyone ever known a good person named Kevin? Kevin Garnett helped me move once. Santa Cruz, you gotta be a cool guy if you're from Santa Cruz, right? Uh, no one ever goes, uh, this douchebag from Santa Cruz cut me off. Kevin, I mean, he really drives the ship in an amazing way on the show. And, you know, he is one of the guys that just brings not only, like, just funny, funny jokes, but a huge intelligence and he just gets stuff done. Funny is good and Kevin's funny, but bright, right. even, even better. And the guy's just super high IQ. Exactly. Someone comes onto the school and, and you've got Kevin. Now I'm sure Kevin's shit hot at Call of Duty, but it might not fucking cut it, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, go listen to The Life of Riley. His last episode is gold. Oh, good. Hmm. recording so you want me to talk just so you can test how it sounds um i think it's gonna sound pretty good i can hear you right now and um it's at least close enough that i can make i feel pretty comfortable that if i need to fix anything i can fix it in post started doing these podcasts just listening to them and like yeah. Wanting to respond back. <laughs> yeah, that was a big part Isn't of it. Isn't this great? Nobody can respond. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> it, and that's one of the funniest pieces of feedback that um, some of the first feedback I ever got when I did my first podcast was, especially from people that knew me and my co-hosts on that show, were that they would just be... Because what happens all the time on a podcast, and you know, if you watch any sort of live unscripted you know like news like long uh-huh. news show where they're covering say election returns or something right. like that sometimes the stuff that your your mouth moves faster than your brain and sometimes it's vice versa and you just can't think of you're like what's that guy's name that was in that movie oh, 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 and yeah. the audience is yelling at their speakers yeah. you know it's harrison ford it's yeah. harrison you know <laughs> yeah or the guy and, on the election return that had they had the fingers and they kept turning this red blue red blue red blue red blue and i was stop it yeah yeah totally could they only feel the entire country when I think we can count to 278 and know what would happen if blue went red and red went blue. Can you stop? Right. Yeah. So basically, I was listening to, you know, I was always, I listened to a ton of talk radio when I was younger. Um, I had a job at one point where um, I drove for, they're not around anymore, but Santa Cruz Ambulance. Uh And um, they had a, a subsidiary sort of a thing called Caravan, which was driving wheelchair bound people sort of like paratransit now or paracruise mm-hmm. or whatever it's called. And then also we had these big vans where we drove developmentally disabled people to the skill center out mm-hmm. in Soquel and, um, all of the radios and all of those vans were all AM. So you couldn't, all, all you really had was talk radio, you know? <sighs> and so, uh, you know, back then it was Dr. Dean Adele and, Rush was just getting started, and I think Dr. Laura might have been on, you know, and so it was the weirdest thing because I didn't, I didn't know, I wasn't political at all at that point. I was like 
17 or something like that you know yelling and well (laughs) it was funny because as i i would listen to these people and be thinking oh they're making a lot of sense you know and then um and then as i learned more and became more political and and all of that kind of thing i was like i can't believe i used to listen to that jackass you know um so but then you know within the last 10 years maybe a little bit less six years I just once I found out what podcasts were, I just started listening to them, you know, just constantly. Mm-hmm. Found my favorite ones, and most of the ones I listen to are comedians, you mm-hmm. know. And um, I was just like, man, I've always wanted to do radio. I've always wanted to, you know, have a have a platform for even if it's just goofy shit, you know. Mm-hmm. And um. Well, I'm going to steal your idea, and after this, uh-huh. I'm going to do this too. No, no, go <laughs> for it. There's... I, I love interviewing. I love talking to people. Yeah, and listening to people, and there's so many people that I'll hear on the radio. Oh man, I would love to just absolutely for an hour. Yeah, with this person. It could be someone on KZSE or or uh, K Pig or somebody you never get to finish. Exactly. It seems like when they give you a little tidbit, but 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 but, and you yep, can't. Yep. Yep. And they, I had called in all those times. Like, what's that number? I got to call and ask this. And, I, I, you know, yeah. it would. Yeah. yeah, I've called in a couple of times. And the funny thing is, is I don't I don't get stage fright. I'm not afraid of talking in front of people. I'm not, you know, but both times I've ever called into a radio show. The moment I realized I was on the air, mm-hmm. I got so nervous. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then you know, kind of stumbled over what I had wanted to say, and yeah. this and that, and I was just like, ah, God, I had one shot, you know. Oh, no. oh, I forgot. <laughs> I didn't say this thing, part. and I didn't, you know, yeah, and um, but then the first podcast I ever did was my friend Kelly had a podcast, and went over to her house and we did one, and that was a lot of fun, and made me decide I really wanted to do my own, but I didn't know how. I didn't know how to get started. I didn't yeah. know how to host it. I didn't know any of that stuff. It's like, just stick a microphone in front of me. Can't I just do that? So a friend of mine already had a podcast that he did with a friend in L.A. They did it over Skype, and mm-hmm. he had been thinking about doing another one. And I'm like, why don't we do one? He's like, well, what would it be about? What would... I'm like, I don't know. And... We always have really great conversations, you know, and one day I was over at his house and we're just talking and I'm like, this is it right here. This is the podcast. It's yeah. just us talking, you know, about whatever. And he brought in another friend and we did that for about two years. It, w- it wasn't real a real, we didn't have a real set schedule or anything like that. And then that sort of just scheduling was really hard getting all three of us together and you know all of that kind of thing and i suppose it's possible we might do it again on occasion i don't Mm -hmm. really know but even while i was doing that one i was like i you know i was still planning to start my own because it was just something i wanted Mm -hmm. to do and then when that one seemed to go the way to the dodo i was like okay time to get on the stick and start my own so that's what i did and this is my first actually live face-to-face conversation with anybody up until now over mm-hmm. over skype yeah skype? oh oh good i have a list of names of people <laughs> that you that aren't like they're from southern california i'd love to connect you with that could that would be they're just fun people to talk oh, to. oh that'd be awesome oh, yeah I was just you're actually the first american too 
Now that I think about it, it's oh, all been kiwis up until now. <laughs> this could be. <laughs> Mine? Oh, oh yeah. I'll try and uh, right. I'll try and mute that in in post production. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you hear that world? No. <laughs> Is it working? V o l l e y. D o l l y. Sorry. Now all now all the world has to do is find the house yeah. and get him within the Wi-Fi. My ATM. Okay. <laughs> no, I I'm, I want you to be online in case we need yeah. something Googled. Yeah. So yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Is it working? Volleyball is the network. Okay. V ball. It's, it's, it's like, yeah. Okay. Um, so if I'm any of the listeners were wondering, geek, producer Wendy is here. I just learned our own password from my kids because. We had to get a new something or other because it wasn't working. And my husband works from home, and and then I got kicked out of everything. And I had to learn anyway. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite things is I have I have some uh, clients for my handyman business that have they never bothered to, and I sometimes I need to be able to go on the internet on my phone when I'm working mm -hmm. at somebody's house or whatever. So most of them have given me their password mm -hmm. and. Most of them haven't have never bothered to create their own password, so it's just whatever oh, one came with yeah. the router, and so it's usually just like fifteen random alphanumeric characters. It's like impossible to remember. You have oh. to go digging through the yeah. junk drawer to find it, where it's written on the scrap of paper. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh yes, I have some people to refer you to that are really fascinating. Oh, fun. Yeah. There's this one man that I've connected. The internet is so amazing. I came in, I hated it, and I, um, but I've met some of the most amazing people over the internet yeah. that I've actually got to meet in the real world, mm -hmm. like Wendy. <laughs> and, um, and I met this man through um, social justice work and criminal justice reform, and I, um, um, and then I. I actually, I, I I friended him on Facebook, and I didn't realize he was the person that I friended that I was actually emailing because they had like a little bit different name, but it was the same name. So anyway, he's um, works with the Californians for Safety and Justice. Mm. He is like a wealth of knowledge and information and and um, inspiration and just doing incredible work. Awesome. In yeah. There's so much, you know, it's cutting edge, like the forefront. That sounds, that, that yeah. sounds like it could be a very interesting conversation. Yeah. You know, it's one of the things that has always amazed me is the, oftentimes the last people that you might think are going to be the most interesting conversation are, the, you know, like yeah. the guy that you sit next to on the airplane or the you know, just these random encounters that you might have. Oh, and that's my job. Half I am the, telling you. Yeah, I, I bet. Yeah. Totally. I mean, one many years ago, I asked this woman, what are you doing today? It's an innocuous question. Mm -hmm. I was just making small talk. Sure. And she looked at me, she goes, do you really want to know? <laughs> and I thought, well, I better check it out. I guess I asked that question. So... I said, well, yeah, I, I do want to know. 
And then I got her life story. She was going to visit her son who lived in a facility. He was um, paralyzed from the neck down in a diving accident in San Jose when he was 18 years old. He was now 40. Wow. And she visited him twice a week. And he, um, and she told me the whole story of his neck injury and how it impacted the family mm. and how their children, other children put their life on hold. But at a certain point, they had to go back to college sure. and their life. And then her son, and the, I was so like, you just don't know who you're just going to bump into and meet and what you're going to learn from them. Yeah. And, um, and I believe in no accidental ordinary moments mm-hmm. and that can be seen positively or, or negatively. Like, um, I felt like she taught me a lot mm-hmm. in, in, you know, a few hours of interaction with her and, um, and it was just like a simple drop of a question. Yeah. And if I saw her on the street today, I would recognize her face because she really left. Had that much of an impression. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, at the time, I was much younger. I didn't have kids. No stress in my life. Mm -hmm. Like, where was I going to go out to dinner? It was my biggest Uh, hard question. I remember those days. I know. (laughs) And here I was talking to this mother who had a son who she told me he didn't want to live anymore. Mm -hmm. And that was his life. He could never leave the place that he lived because his health was so fragile because of the nursing care and right. equipment that he required to keep mm-hmm. alive and um and and i was like yeah she was she was powerful yeah bump, it sounds like just it. a bump into the world just yeah a powerful and it's world. funny too because you you may have just caught her on the day that she needed to talk about it mm-hmm. you know like Half the time, if people said, you know, what are you up to today or something like that, she'd probably be like, oh, you know, just another day, whatever. Yeah. But maybe just. She could have said one word. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But she was just in that space where she just went, well, you really want to know? I'll tell you, you know, and or maybe she just tells her life story to everybody. You know, it could be either way. I I bet it's more the latter than the, you know. Yeah, that's that's just been the gift i the gift of meeting people from all walks of life and i get a short time with them Mm -hmm. they can tell me what they want and not tell me what they want and then on we go it's um it's a anyway it's a fun way to meet people that i would never have an opportunity you know i I live in a bubble of my kind of people my friends my children my and i'm not really thrown into um other walks of life but i I, um, I actually enjoy that about, um, you know, meeting people yeah. every day. And, yeah, and, and that's a really good point, too, because, you know, Santa Cruz is a bubble within a bubble, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. where, you know, California, a lot of people across the country consider us very much of a bubble as mm-hmm. a state. But then even within California, Santa mm-hmm. Cruz is its own sort of dynamic, too, yeah. you know, and, you know, it's... You can be in for a great culture shock if you grow up in this town and start traveling around just the United States. Yes, you know? it's true. <laughs> and <laughs> I know it happened to me. Yeah, that's true. It's true. I was in Colorado this summer, and um, it was wonderful. You know, but I don't, I, I don't really get out much, and um, you know, by myself. But it was, it was. Um, 
you know, I, I, I kind of try to imagine like, what would it be like to live here? And, you know, picking people's brains. Mm-hmm. When did you move here? Why did you move here? How long have you been here? What's your favorite thing? What's the hardest thing? That's a different state. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot going on there. Yeah. It's, it, I think it's uh, kind of stretching and pulling and growing and shrinking and um, trying to figure themselves out. And um, But it was, it was uh, I, I would have no way of taking the pulse of that state. Just visiting three <laughs> communities. Yeah. Couldn't. It was, they were all so dynamically different. Yeah. But it would probably be the way, like, if somebody came to Santa Cruz County and went to um, Pajaro and then went to downtown Santa Cruz and then went to, you know, Zianu or Scotts Valley. I mean, we can do right. that. But oh, I yeah. know it. I exactly. know the diversity exactly. and the pockets in our community. Yeah. I lived back east for almost 20 years grew up here but lived in delaware for almost 20 years that's Mm -hmm. where i got married and stuff and um when i first moved there it was you know and i had spent a fair amount of time on the east coast my dad's from new jersey my mom's from pennsylvania so Mm -hmm. i traveled back there a lot when i was a kid but um there was so much that was so alien to me when i first mm-hmm. <clears throat> when i first got i mean the the amount of of just uh blatant racism really surprised me mm-hmm. like like i knew these people existed but i didn't realize that they thought i was one of them you know and so they would just talk openly <laughs> to me it was just kind of like yikes yeah and then the other thing was how many people in you know i'm in my 40s now and how many people my age and older have never lived anywhere else mm-hmm. you know it, you know some of them have moved away for a year but then they come back and mm-hmm. um you know other than people that have been in the military and stuff most of the people that i know back there have born and raised within and they still live within 10 minutes of their parents 10 minutes of the house they grew up in a lot of the time you know i had that experience and in massachusetts and i we went to a little town called shelburne falls and we met this man i think at the time he was about 70 or 75 and a tiny little mayberry rfd mm-hmm. kind of town and and i said oh have you lived here your whole life he says, so far <laughs> and he really had born, yeah. raised, married, widowed, raises kids in in a town much smaller than SoCal. Uh huh. And um, fine with it. Yeah, and I mean, go. there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. If that's if that's what you, yeah if that's the way you like it, then I I got no problem with that. I just can't. Yeah. I've moved. I've lived. You know, I've moved quite a bit in my I life. I have not moved quite a bit. You're like you know. my husband. He moved 19 times in his first 17 years of life. Oh, he's got me beat. <laughs> and I have moved, well, like maybe two or three times when I was under the age of five or six. And then Santa Cruz County, and that I've only lived in Santa Cruz County mm. from age six to now. And and then, you know, a little uh, a Capitola era and West Side era that was short-lived and a, east side era and then aptos era so i but i have looked at other places to live mm-hmm. but i think i could live and i still can't wait to come home i haven't really found <laughs> yeah that that um 
comfortable community. And, you know, all that it brings, good, bad, and the ugly. Sure. At least it's comfortable. Yeah. You know, good, bad, and the, the ugly, but um, it's still... Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny, too, is when I was living back east, I didn't, I didn't take into account very much that a lot of my friends were born and raised in Santa Cruz and have never gone anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, it like it didn't occur to me. I thought everybody was doing what I was doing, which was, you know, got out of high school, moved to L.A., you know, did mm-hmm. some college, moved to L.A., met a girl, moved back east, got married, just mm-hmm. sort of like, hey, I'm in my 20s. I'm just doing whatever floats my boat because I can, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so I would have conversations with people back east and and just be like i just don't get it i just don't you know you've never gone anywhere else and they're like no i love it here you know this is where my roots are that's a big thing is the is this is where my roots are you know and this is where my family is and generations of family and you know my particular family all my aunts uncles and cousins are scattered to the four winds you know and um and but then when i moved back to santa cruz i was like oh wait yeah this friend of mine, born and raised here, mm-hmm. you know, his parents moved here maybe in the 60s or 70s, you know, and I might know a few people that are multi-generation in, in Santa Cruz, not very many, but um, that's just sort of California for you, you know, especially mm-hmm. coastal California. <laughs> Nobody's ever from yeah. here. And I, I think that might be something that's changing about Santa Cruz County because um, in my work, I meet, um, you know, people that have been in Santa Cruz city and county for generations and now their grandchildren and their great grandchildren are not um they are moving away from college and the cost of living has gotten to such a point here with housing that they're they're not as attached or rooted to staying yeah. here as they were and um and I, I was just wondering a generation or two if there's gonna be that series of people that have lived here um, well i mean it's getting harder and harder to be able to mm-hmm. afford it right i mean mm-hmm. um most of the most of the people i mean that you see a lot of people now in santa cruz that are you know sort of doing the old-fashioned you know generation multi multiple generations under one roof I know. You know, yeah, um, it's come back into that's the way my mother was raised with her aunts and grandparents, and parents, all in one house. It was a huge house, mm-hmm. but um, that that might be coming back into fashion. And it's wonderful here. I I've been so so lucky, and my my son loves it here, wants to live here, but he sees how hard it is here. And I think. For some of the young people that I talk to that are moving away, mm-hmm. they're they're more open rather than they're not leaving angry. They just look. If I'm going to work this hard, yeah, and pay that much money, and earn that much money, maybe if I try it somewhere else, it won't be awful, right? You know, yeah, I, I can find a decent climate. I can come and visit, and it won't be as hard. I mean, um, just always living on the financial fringe, yeah. Where six sixty seven percent of your monthly income is is housing, yeah, at least just to stay here. Yeah, it's nuts. 
and having one phone call with your, you know, your housing is lost and then mm-hmm. going through the stress of competing for. Yeah, and just every year, less and less people own their own the dwelling that they live in. Yeah, you know, more and more people are renting than ever, and you know, that's oh man, we could talk about that all day. <laughs> I know, and I'm not really very. Um, I've, I've, I'm luckier than so many people, so I'm not really the person to talk to them, except for that I talk to a lot of people that are in housing yeah. crisis. Like, yeah. Oh no, I've lived there for. 15 years, 17 years, and their children want to move in. <laughs> right. That's what the situation is, is their children are coming back to Santa Cruz. And yeah. They need a place to live. So, yeah. of course, you don't, you know, that's not they're technically evicted. But yeah. They're given six months to find a new place because they don't have a place to move in, which is understandable. Yeah, it's nuts. No, totally nuts. What else you got? What else do I got? Well, I'm fascinated with. Oh, I'm fascinated with the, the, the state and local and national election, like a lot of people. Sure, yeah. And um, and I'm uh, I'm fascinated with how unique California is on the national spectrum of things, mm-hmm. and um, it'll it'll be interesting to see how we fare. Yeah, it's you know I'm, you know I've I feel fortunate that I you know over the last ten days or so I've I've gone from a boil to a simmer and I'm actually thinking coherently again. You know, good for um, you. <laughs> coherent. I got there a little bit quicker than some. I think. Yeah, coherent. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know it's a, you know it's a it's a crazy time right now and. Um, you know, I, I almost, I always kind of feel a little bit like an outsider when it comes to politics because I don't exactly identify with either of the major parties. Uh I'm definitely a liberal. I'm definitely a lefty. Uh Um, but you know, I've never, I've never been registered as either a Republican Uh or a Democrat. I'm unaffiliated at this point, which Uh I switched from independent just so I could vote in the primary, (laughs) you know? And, um, but, you know, like right now I'm sort of sitting here going, "Mm, I'm sort of not really liking being uh, connected with some of the behavior I'm seeing on the left right now. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, the, you know, there's some crazy nutbags on the right that are doing some, you know, and I'm talking regular people. I'm not talking politicians or pundits or, Mm -hmm. you know, talking heads or any of just regular everyday citizens who are, um, you know, obviously we're all seeing the videos on mm-hmm. online of, you know, the, uh, you know, Muslim Americans and African Americans and other, um, minorities just being berated and mm-hmm. the graffiti and, you know, and people literally saying out loud, Trump got elected. I, I he said, it's okay for me to do this, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's just, nauseating and and awful but i'm also seeing some behavior on the left that i don't like you know Mm -hmm. and um and i get it everybody's still reeling you know and hurting and scared and all that i i get it and i'm not passing any judgment Mm -hmm. on on any of it but it's just kind of like aren't we you know aren't we on the left don't we tout ourselves as the 
the group that's you know empathetic and mm-hmm. tolerant and you know all of that kind of stuff and it's it's not feeling that way it was some of what i'm seeing right now you know what is the name of the journalist who is 61 very young who just passed away african-american woman gloria is that last name starts with an i Look it up, um, producer Wendy. She she actually, I saw a short interview of her because I had listened to her and I I always saw her as a, oh good she's interviewing you know. Uh huh. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, just didn't really inflame anyone. She just did her journalistic job well, mm-hmm. and and she said in one of her um, interviews, she, you know, she held up an iPhone and and she, you know, in summary, paraphrasing, she said. This is not communication. Like we've learned how to hide behind a computer or a Facebook post or social media. Gwen, I. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I didn't know she died. We have to learn how to talk, you know, face to face. Yeah. Or at a table, or in a committee, or at a council meeting, or at a supervisor's meeting. We have to learn how to talk, which seems sort of um, kind of like well obvious. Yeah. I don't. I don't think that um, now is um, kind of a hard time um, because lines are being drawn in the sand. Yeah. But to be able to, um, you know, there's still people who never talk about politics. For sure. And that's just like, oh, I never talked about politics. You never mix politics with family and friends. You never. Yeah. But if anything, I mean, I really think that now is exactly the time yeah. to talk about well and what it, we need to it's not really politics it's more like how do you feel about human rights yeah yeah you know it's not a left right like how do you feel about civil rights yeah let's go back a few years you can't say that that was a bad move right was, <laughs> so, exactly yeah so are we are we on that page like where can you come down and find the commonality yeah um and yeah um, and being but not only learning how to talk to each other, but learning how to talk to people that we disagree with right. is even is even bigger and harder. And, you know, I mean, I think the first conversation that you and I ever had was about the Internet and keyboard courage. And, mm-hmm. you know, and you that's when you told me about the, the Time article yeah. that I did most of an episode on, yeah. you know. And, and it's so true. And I know I'm guilty of it. I, you know, and even since I've been aware of it, I'm I catch myself I just went doing on Twitter it. Twitter so I could follow Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm going to really rip him a new one. <laughs> I, I guess he's got a few people that are ahead of me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but it's, but it has to fit into your soundbite, right? Twitter's what? It's only so many characters. 140 characters. Yeah. I'm never going to succeed in Twitter. One of my favorite a, things. I am way more verbose. Than you'll that. get good. You'll you'll be because I'm really long winded too. Typically, I have to learn all the but acronyms. And what's all really this. fun? What's really fun to do? My favorite thing about Twitter is when I hit exactly 140 characters. Oh, not 139. The, yeah, exactly. Like yeah. when because there's a little. I don't there's even. There's a little countdown at the bottom are. of the. <laughs> I'm still. I have a lot to learn. I'm. I'm not all that great at Twitter, but. But yeah. But that is my favorite thing. The yeah. only problem with hitting exactly 140 characters is you can't then point out to everybody. I just hit exactly 100 because you're out of. Oh, <laughs> that's the only. So sometimes right. I don't do it anymore. But the first couple of times that I noticed that right. I had a red zero at the bottom right. of my thing, I would. 
I would then immediately tweet again and go, yeah. everybody look back at my last one. It's exactly 140 characters. Hello. <laughs> I am awesome. Yeah. Well, the, the the thing about that Time article that was so fascinating to me is um, it there's there's people unlike myself, although I'm a little bit like this, like there are those that are just plain old conflict averse. They yeah. will never say, I I support Black Lives Matter because they see the, the anti- Backlash. The backlash and they don't want to... Um, they don't want it directed at them, yeah. and they don't want it. Um, so then you have a situation where, where the trolls or the the angry mob it has dominance over reason, logic, and thought because no one will say other than there's like a click of a like. No one will say, um, "Hey, that's kind of a, you know, you're attacking this person who disagreed with you." Mm-hmm. Like there is no dis. It's a horrible place to have a conversation. It is. There's no conversation. It's just blah. I think blah. I believe blah. I want, and um, and it's not really. If we if we if that's how we communicate, and then we go out into the world and we sit at a table or we sit at a conversation yeah. where we're trying to come up with a solution, whether it's about you know justice reform or affordable housing or who to support for a candidate for office, then it's just bomb attack counterattack exactly <laughs> so that's yeah and where, it's you know. it's funny too because <clears throat> what we do is we use i mean one of the benefits of social media is that it can be a place to vent your frustration or you know get it out there in some way mm-hmm. um but then at the same time we don't we don't want to hear back from what we just put out. You yeah, know what well, I mean? I'm sorry. I wasn't really asking. You <laughs> right. right. But if yeah. we see somebody else yeah. put out something that we don't like, we want to be able to tell them we don't like it, you yeah. know? And so it's, it, it's this weird dichotomy of, so I want to have, you know, I want to be able to say what I want, but I don't want to hear right. what other people, right. if they don't, if they don't agree with me. And yet we also have, you know, comedian Bill Burr refers to, he always talks about people going to www.imright.com, uh, you know, where we just, all we do is seek out, uh, Self. yeah, what do they call yeah, just that? Disagree with me. Yeah. And, and yeah. your circle Preaching on Facebook. Choir. Like I, you know, it's good to have a diverse group, but, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, um, it's an interesting time of, because although it's not a place to have a discussion, it's always a place to go. You know, yes, I agree. Right on. Yeah. And um, and anything that falls short of that turns out to be, you know, trolling or uh, just launching attacks and counterattacks. Yeah. And um, and it's so and easy you, and to. And have you ever seen somebody that you know, like in a community page, that will say something, and you know that person, and you see like. Whoa. So many times. I do not know. <laughs> yeah. You have that side of you. Yeah. Like a little it's uh it's sobering. Yeah. The the different personas yeah. you know that a person can have and you know, there are people that try to say this like to this is who I am and then there's people that have a page or a, a persona that is not at all who they are. Yeah. For that reason they change names, we've got alternate names 
and I think it's so fascinating. It is. I, I, I mean, I, I went on the internet. And I didn't even know what a troll was. I had to have it explained to me. Uh-huh. I did not know that that person, um, whatever, was not a real person. Uh-huh. Like, oh, you mean that's not a real person? No, that's an alter. That's a fake. Like, who? What? <laughs> what? Why do people do that? Yeah, well, it's a person. It's just not that's not their name, that's not and that's their not name. their picture. And so they you know. change their name so they can spew. Yeah, and not be held accountable. Yeah, well, and you know now we've got all the fake news sites too, right? That oh. you know, and <clears throat> Snopes actually. You familiar with Snopes? They'll be busy for the next well, hundred years. They just wrote. They just put out a great article. Uh, I think it was yesterday, actually. That was you know, it's not just fake news. It's bad news that we have to, you know, and they, they're like, we need to make this distinction right here and right now that there's a difference between fake news and bad news. And a lot of what people are calling fake news is actually bad news, which is when people take an actual quote or an actual event or something like that and take it out of context or, or, uh, you know, inflated in some mm-hmm. way and things like that, where, you know, and that's what people on both sides of the aisle do mm-hmm. that online. You know, it's like this, you know, one horrible three words out of a two hour speech mm-hmm. or something like that. Right. So that's the bad, what Snopes is calling bad news. And then there's also the fake news, which is just a hundred percent fabricated crap. Right. And, uh, it's a really good article. And at the end of it, the part that really, because I love Snopes. I go to Snopes all the time. And my um, friend directed me to Snopes when I started going, what? Look at this. She's like, that's an urban legend. Yeah. Check Snopes. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. And they've gotten, you know, and Fact Check is pretty good too. But Didn't they, um, they put out an article recently with a list of the dubious sites. And some of them sound pretty cool. Many of them. I think one is ABC or CBS News. It, it's yeah. They'll, they'll put in an acronym and then add right. like a lowercase letter at the end of it or something. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. And, yeah. Um, and, and then they also make them look very... They look like a regular media site and things like that, and they're just completely fabricated. And but at the end of that Snopes article, they said we're getting ready to, you know, we're soon going to be either launching or announcing or telling you about or something like that. Three new tools that you can use to help sift through this stuff. So I'm really looking forward to: is this going to be some new search function that they have? Is it going to be some, or is it just going to be? Here are some common practices that you can use to help filter this stuff. Yeah. I don't know what it's going to be, but I was like, oh, I'm so glad that they're working on this yeah. because they're so busy that, you know, I've gotten to the point now where I see almost anything from either side unless it's unless I recognize the face of the journalist who's right. talking or something like that. I immediately want to go to Snopes, but the thing's only existed for two hours. So it's right. not like they've had time to research it or anything. And it's just like, They're hurry up, busy. guys. I want to know if this is real I like or not. the articles that have a video in it of the actual yeah. conversation, yeah. whether it's like one of President Obama's speeches. And he talked about this in his recent speech in Germany, that we have a nation that needs to be able to decipher propaganda from news. Mm-hmm. Like if you're being emotionally driven to um if a if a simplistic message is being over and over and over fed to you and then there's a news story 
and see it verifies your simplistic messaging. Mm-hmm. You know, Hillary's a criminal, 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 criminal. Mm-hmm. Then people just embrace it, adopt it, and then but when you ask them, okay, why? What is? Tell me about that. What? What was her crime? Tell me about it. But it they was, don't have anything. There's nothing yeah. there because they've. It's it's just a, um, very, yeah. And and then of there's course, a um. What's the guy's name? I keep forgetting his name. Whenever I hear his name, I know who he is. He's the guy that he does the Dilbert cartoon. I can't remember oh, his name. I don't name. know his name. I know the cartoon. <laughs> um, but he, um, he's a certified outside of doing Dilbert. He's a, he's like a certified hypnotist or something uh-huh. like that. And he's also taken, you know, um, he's educated, may even have a degree in like, it's not, Scott Adams? Yeah, Scott Adams. Um he he's he's I don't know if it's a degree, but he's he knows all about manipulating people and and, and what is that word? Uh, Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> Just well, this is the thing. Months and months ago, yes. he predicted Trump was going to win. Yeah. And he's like because these are the things that he's using are classic uh, it's not manipulation. It's like Sales influence. It's like influence. And, and it's like the reason he's repeatedly saying crooked Hillary and lying, Lock her uh, up. Uh, you know, and all of that kind of stuff is that it becomes synonymous with that person's name. He, you know, right. crazy Bernie and lying Ryan or whatever. All yeah. the, he had a name for every, even the people that were running against him in the primary. Right. Yeah. And, you just repeat that and repeat that and repeat that. It becomes conditioning. Thank you, Wendy. It becomes um, synonymous with that person's name to people, even if they don't realize right. it, right? And then if that person does anything that even hints mm-hmm. at corruption or crazy behavior or being mm-hmm. a liar or anything like that, it reinforces this thing that you already have right so if you think hillary's corrupt and you hear oh she deleted some emails up there's your proof there's your proof she's corrupt you know she's a criminal you know and same thing for all and he just kept hitting that point all the way through and (laughs) yeah scott adams is just like i'm telling you if he keeps this up he's gonna win because this is how you you get people of the the population that that the the simple sound bites and um that works and and we talked about this we've talked about fox news mm-hmm. and um the lack of attention to data and fact and science mm-hmm. and the um and then that the, they people like to follow and grab onto something and if you don't want to um, question or think critically or inquire it's just that easy and people do like to be a part of something yeah whether it's the trump train or um or a successful campaign they don't want to be on a losing campaign um but i really have asked myself like how, what how how did that work and it did mm-hmm. and um planting seeds of confusion is all you sometimes have to do yeah to get someone to be against something against a measure against and i've seen that same strategy in so many campaigns mm-hmm. um that from the national level presidency to 
locally to California statewide, if you just plant that seed of fear or confusion or um, or just sheer awfulness, that it, it stirs people. And, There's that's definitely the emotional a, response. It, it goes from the brain and logic yeah. to like an emotional guttural response that's based in nothing. Right. That's that that's part of it for sure. And there's a significant number of people that that were pulled in by that mm -hmm. for sure. But there's also, um, and I know personally some of these Trump voters mm -hmm. and you know, none of them live around here, obviously. But mm -hmm. um Well, I looked on the you know, county, there's about four there's a lot. <laughs> There's more than you There's might have more expected. Than you would have yeah, expected. they just weren't walking around trumpeting it from the rooftops, you no, know. But they're the minority. But you know, if you feel like, um, if you feel like not only is the government not doing anything to help you, but what they have been doing for the last twenty years has been steadily, you've been steadily watching your community go into the toilet, and mm -hmm. you know, going from. Uh, lots of successful manufacturing and everybody's got a job and two houses and 2.2 kids and uh, mm -hmm. two cars, I mean, and, you know, two cars in the garage and a house with a picket fence and two kids and everybody's doing great. And if you grew up in this town and you get a union gig at the factory, you're set for life. And mm -hmm. then all of a sudden factories start shuttering up and leaving and, uh, and you slowly watch your community go, and sink into now you've just got crime and meth addicts and everybody's just angry and sad and frustrated and pissed and and for years and years you're going hello hello guys are you seeing what the fuck's going on over here and nobody's paying any attention and you just get sadder and sadder until it turns into anger and frustration and then somebody comes along and goes i hear what you're saying mm-hmm He's got your vote no matter what else he says. Mm -hmm. He can be as racist as he want. He can because you're going, yeah, I hate that about him. I hate that he keeps saying all this ridiculous stuff, but he says he's going to get me a job. Mm -hmm. So I'm voting for him because that woman over there in the pantsuit didn't tell me she's going to give me a job. She's talking to all these other people. She's not talking to me. That's what a lot of these people, that's what pulled a lot of these people in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's why people are saying that the Clinton campaign ignored the Rust Belt, ignored, you know, these other places, whether they actually did or not. I don't know. I'm not part of the campaign, but that's what the perception is, is that they took these people for granted on some level. And so these people, you know, you know, I personally know at least one guy who is that I'm sort of basing loosely what I just said on things that I've talked to him about. Now you see him on Facebook you'd think he's a nut, mm -hmm. you know, but I've talked to him in, in private. He's like, it's just, it's just ridiculous, dude. You know, my, um, my sense that I see and what do you, and I, this is a question. I don't have an answer and we don't, I don't have the equivalent here in Santa Cruz County. We don't have, a, exactly. you know, mining or a steel mill or a factory. Our industry is you know, tourism, but what do you do with an entire? Okay, here's an example. When I was in Colorado, there's a city in Colorado that's called Canyon City, and the whole city, from what I can tell, is built around the prison industry. Mm -hmm. So when and if there's ever uh, there's there's women's 
I mean, you drive into Canyon City and you can see these, these big gray buildings. There's a federal penitentiary, there's a women's prison, there's a men's prison, there's, and there's hotels, there's malls for families that are visiting mm-hmm. their relatives. Mm-hmm. So what do you do, for instance, when, if the prison industry ever loses its customer base right. and they have to close down the prisons, yeah. then you're going to affect an entire economy of a whole population. Yeah, there's and a whole microcosm right there just revolving right. around it's the prison. It's dependent upon, you know, so, so the message that I thought I heard um, Hillary saying was you need communities with diverse um, employment, like when you put all your eggs in one basket, mm-hmm. if that industry, the automobile industry or the money, when that industry fails or goes offshore right. or the EPA says we don't really want coal so much or whatever, mm-hmm. well, what do you do with all the people that have two and three generations of coal mining or yeah. something like that. So Yeah, my mom's from a steel town in western Pennsylvania and it's a ghost town now. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and the funny thing is is, you know, the friend that I'm referring to, he blames NAFTA for all of it, right? And I'm like, uh eh, I haven't yeah, I don't know. So I started doing some research on NAFTA and the reason that NAFTA is considered a success is that it did what it was supposed to do, right? But you also look at there's lots of manufacturing communities across the country where, okay, that that particular company left town after NAFTA, mm-hmm. but another sort of uh, more creatively minded company went, you know what? We could use that factory. Mm-hmm. We just need to retool some of the machines a little bit and we could make our widget instead of them making whatever it was they were. They were making, you know, whatever. Now we can make our widget. And there's a whole workforce here already mm-hmm. that's trained on most of these machines. We just need to teach them some of our particular stuff. And that happened in a lot of places mm-hmm. in the Midwest and things like that. And so it's another reason that people consider NAFTA a success is those places are actually doing better now mm-hmm. than they were before. But there are still these pockets, like in North Carolina, where that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And so that's not their reality. They don't see it that way. And it doesn't matter if you tell them what's going on in Indiana. Yeah. They don't give a shit. Right. You know? And they don't want to pick up and have to move their entire family just because some somebody on high in Washington, D.C. decided that this was the, you know, that's how they feel. Right. Um, you know, and how how can you tell them they're wrong? You know, right. that's their reality. Well, you bring up another point that I'm very fascinated with because I, I saw this happening on the national level. And, it, and sometimes I see it on the statewide level. Um, simplistic responses or blame or scapegoating to really complex yeah. problems, you know, uh, and and it, it we like to try to make things um, very short reasoning, yeah. simplistic reasoning beside behind like you know for us the housing issues. Well, it's because Silicon Valley came over, people buy up all the land and the property and right. come in with all cash deals and squeezing out first-time regular people. Yeah. Well, there's examples of that, I'm sure. But there's other factors entering into it, too. And, Many. And and that's what that's what we've lost. Yeah. Everything is, 
we want it. We want it. Two sentences. And something to point at. Two sentences. Mm-hmm. And um. And somebody to point at. And an scapegoat. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually an elected official, <laughs> or or um, or a specific group of people, or an, an entire uh, political party. <laughs> but that's where um, you know, and there's some truth to that. Uh-huh. But but you know, like what else? I just keep coming back to what else is scratching my head. What else? What else? Um, um, and it'll be the time to. There has to be something good that's going to come out of this. Either there's going to be a um, a movement that was born. People are awakened that mm-hmm. are going to vote that don't show up. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's definitely that's that's not the reason why we got into a situation with the national election. I can't even say his name, but <laughs> it would have been helpful if perhaps some more registered voters for were sure voting and. Um, and um and i mean that's a the national election is a perfect example of how you can't point at just one thing yeah. you know i mean one of the things that i think was huge that i don't hear that many people talking about um is i think a lot of people who voted for hillary in the primaries and even some who voted for bernie in the primaries were watching the polls in the weeks up until the election going, ah, oh, she's got it in the bag. Oh, I don't need to vote. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people yeah. that just went, oh, this yeah, is a, this I... is a no brainer. I don't even have to vote. Yeah. And when you're, when you've got people, you know, when you've got that sort of level so of that's ambivalence, that's going to be a good poll to run. <laughs> Did you not vote because you read the polls <laughs> right. that said, yeah, but she now I don't trust polls anymore. 300 or something <laughs> electoral votes. Like did that affect because years ago, I think it was when, um, I don't know, it was Carter or Reagan. They they started announcing the winners before California had even mm. closed their polls. So people stopped showing up to vote on local, state, and county issues, which are always still so important yeah. to vote for. And that's one of the points I want to try and make to so many of the people that that went well i didn't like either choice so i didn't vote it's like it's not just the top of the ticket there's so much other stuff to vote for that you know i did see and i didn't tell wendy about this yet i saw i was i've been going down the youtube wormhole watching little clips and stuff from different news shows um mostly because i don't have tv service at my house so Mm -hmm. i have to get what i can and i can't remember who the woman was but it was on, um, oh, this wasn't on the news. This was, I think it was on Bill Maher's show. Maybe not. Uh, I can't remember who the woman was. But the the sort of host was asking people, you know, what would you recommend? What would you recommend? And, um, and this woman said, I would recommend that at your next opportunity, you go out and vote for somebody that you like for school board. Yeah, the simple. You know, it's like this is where it starts (laughs) kind of a thing. And I didn't think about that kind of, I mean, every time I voted, I've always tried to be somewhat knowledgeable about all the stuff down the ballot and Mm -hmm. all that. But, um, you know, after, after this election, I was, you know, ranting and raving about people that didn't vote. And I put a big long post up on Facebook and it wasn't until, Wendy posted her post a few days later that I was like, ah, I forgot to talk about down ticket. I was just yelling at people for not voting. And I, it wasn't like, 
you know, because I honestly don't care if you vote if you write in Bugs Bunny for president, if you vote for all the other stuff, mm -hmm. you know, if you really, really, really can't decide and you absolutely don't think either one of the candidates is worth your vote and none of the third party people, I, you know, at this particular election, I can't believe anybody voted third party, but I understand okay. why some people did. Um, it's funny when my twenty years ago, my dad was running for supervisor, and we were walking precincts in Capitola. I learned so much, and I'm knocking on doors, and I was talking to this person, you know, not being very biased about my dad. And he said, "Is he pro-choice or pro-life?" And I said, "Well, it's the county supervisor. It's not really. He's, mm. I don't care. That's my. Right. I don't want a dog catcher that's going to be pro-life." I said, "Okay, I understand." So that was wow. his like. Those people come for those offices right. to work their way to up. To work their way up. He said, soon your dad could be running for Congress or Senate, mm -hmm. and I might have voted him in it. And he explained this to me. I wow. Thought, okay. Yeah, that would have that makes that would have made my head explode. <laughs> yeah, and, and there, there's there's the um, this is what I'm seeing now locally and um, um, and in other. I was reading about a very fascinating sheriff's race in Arizona and national level. Like, it's not like um, the a Congress person that's running is going to say, "Hey, I'm a Tea Party. I'm right wing." Well, you're not going to say that in California. Right. I'm. I'm. I love the Tea Party and all that they stand for. There, it'll come out a lot different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be, exactly. I'm moderate. I want to reach across the aisle and connect people together, and. Like, really, that sounds all nice. And mm -hmm. it's not until you meet them and see their mannerisms, this, um, and there's a few answers to a few questions, little buzzwords. Mm -hmm. and, and they'll usually be about the environment or uh, about business that, I mean, you're going to have to really sort through and be a kind of informed person. Yeah. Um, because, you know, that kind of outspokenness will fly in some parts of the nation, but it's not going to fly, certainly not in California, mm -hmm. very far, maybe central California. <laughs> but yeah, um, but it's going to be it's the, there's a lot of the state that's very red Tea Party mm -hmm. people that are going to be running for city councils and supervisors and um, and then. Well, I'd almost, cards. I'd almost like to go back to the Tea Party right now, to be honest with you, compared to the alt right that seems to be moving. Get in. over here, but, so I can punch you right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, but well, that'll be the time. But, but I'm, I'm seeing so many of the strategies, uh, simplistic responses to complex situations, a yeah. scapegoat, drawing in uh, voters with fear and emotional responses, and. Uh, and then and hyperbole and and then and then it just becomes untrue you know yeah like there's just nothing true and it, i'm so thankful in the county that we live in and people really like to try to do the research now the important thing is going to be to have the research out there that's accurate for them to do mm -hmm. than, um and the I, waters are so muddied when you try to actually look into something mm -hmm. you know it, it's it's so hard to know anymore that what you're reading, where where did this come from? Who wrote this? Whose agenda look. does this speak to? What, you know, it's Who's not like you it? used to be able to just pick up a newspaper right. and you knew what you were getting was the straight dope. Now it's right. like, all right, who owns this newspaper? Yeah. <laughs> you know, or and, who's paid to put this on the ballot? Who's right. backing it? 
who's yeah. going to benefit from it who's um yeah and what what happens in a community like ours which is pretty small is when you see two people that you really respect disagree on mm-hmm. a very cornerstone issue and that happened for me this campaign with proposition 57 i'm a huge supporter of justice reform i'm already for the next level of justice reform right. that's going to be coming down the pike and um and I look to several leaders in the community because they're kind of behind that movement. Mm-hmm. And and then when I see disagreement, then I'm muddled and confused, or um, or I'm stunned and shocked. And then um, and then you know you got to think for yourself. You got to make up your own mind. You got to right. do your own research. And, yeah. And I think what we learn here in Santa Cruz County is people don't just vote. Um, slates and tickets like right. people sort it out not nearly as much as other places they don't do yeah three or two or four or, um, that happened with my husband when he ran many many years ago that happens um uh, all the time and i, I like that about our yeah. community they're gonna and it, there might be people that only vote for two candidates when three or four mm-hmm. uh, seats are open because they only like those two so um yeah and this is one definitely one place where you'll see you know you'll know somebody who you've known for years and you think you know their politics and there's a certain uh proposition coming up and they're adamantly against it when on the surface you would think that they would be completely for it you know I you had sit, that experience. <laughs> yeah me too and you sit yeah. down and talk with them and they're like well here's the part you know you're reading the description of the mm-hmm. bill that the people that wrote the bill want you mm-hmm. to hear read down here and see what it doesn't include or what it or what they're you know and it's like you know yeah i want you know years ago you you know yeah i want marijuana to be decriminalized but not in this way is what you know and 57 is one of those that i can understand why there's people on you know both sides it's it that on the surface it sounds great I voted for it. I'm hoping it gets amended, you know, because there's stuff in it that I don't like, but I like the, I like the, the spirit of it. I like what, Mm -hmm. what they're true, at least what it seems like they're trying to do and, Mm -hmm. you know, get the, you know, the nonviolent people out of jail and free up the prison system for what it's supposed to be for. And, you Mm -hmm. know, all of that kind of stuff. But Mm -hmm. when you look, for example, at, some of the crimes that are considered non-violent, mm-hmm. eh, right. that, that sort of needs to be changed. Right. You know? And we just witnessed a Stanford swimmer who did not serve a long sentence and didn't serve the entire sentence. Yeah. And there was no Prop 57. Right. And so Yeah, well, what's the statistic? It, Nine out of every thousand rapists ever sees the inside of a jail cell? Right. and It's crazy. And 90% of the people in prison do get out. They are getting right. released without any reform. And the the piece of the, the misinformation that I see, it is scary to people to this, be letting people out of prison. But you can't talk about something like Prop 57 without talking about AB 109. Because it's not like we're just choosing to do this. We're actually mandated to do this. Right. Or a federal judge will do it for us. Yeah. So, um, and we are wise to have some control over how that's done. 
Now, I've heard whispering that there's some legislative movement around making rape of an intoxicated person a different level of felony. And that'll take time, and that'll be done, or it won't. But the whole point of Prop 57 is, is nobody's getting released. There is nobody that's getting right. released under Prop 57. People will be given opportunities for parole, and then are very strict after serving their primary their sentence. primary sentence and our parole board last year i think they had like 4800 or almost 5000 people come before the parole board mm-hmm. and they said no about half the time mm-hmm. so over 2000 times they said no i mean that's one of the wonderful hallmarks of our society is um is our parts of our criminal justice system so essentially let me make sure i understand essentially we've got what are already determined to be violent felonies those are not even on the table for prop 57 so we don't even need to talk about those then we've got these other as a sex offender will qualify under prop 57 right if you've committed a crime where you'll have to register um but then the people people do get released just to fyi oh for sure yeah but the people who have been convicted of these quote nonviolent felonies that anybody with brain in their head knows are violent felonies they are potentially eligible mm-hmm. but does not mean that the parole board it has to be influenced in any way by the passage of 57 right Is that they can right say you've done your programming thank you for participating in that education and no you will not be released soon so Typically, as I understand it, like what happens in prison with a lot of the low-level people that maybe are serving, you know, one to four years of sentences is a lot of the programming is optional or it's not there. And then when they're released, the programming starts. They're given a parole officer or probation or um, they're required to attend classes, a whole list of things. Mm -hmm. So the movement of 57 is to start it while they're sitting in in. prison. Yeah. You know, good Schwarzenegger, one thing he did is he put rehabilitation back into, or he put it into our corrections department. It's the CDCR, California Department of Corrections. And And rehabilitation. rehabilitation, right. It's it's not been that for years. It was just a place where we do need warehousing to people, people in prison that are unsafe, that are dangerous, that are violent, that do harm, and um, and there are um, petty thefts, thieves, there's drug crimes, there's drug dealing, um, there's crimes of survival mm-hmm. that are. Um, um, and then we have the whole three strike thing that comes into the picture. Yeah. And mandatory um, minimums. Mandatory minimums. And you know, it it's a it's a good thing to look at that because there are there are more cost effective ways, there are more rehabilitative ways of healing people, educating them, giving them other opportunities that that they can turn their lives around and people do every day. Exactly, yeah. And they have they have programs that work. They've got studies and science behind it. They you know, know what they're doing. Um, we're so lucky here in Santa Cruz County, and um, and um, they're they're going to get out someday, and they won't. You know, the the less servicing, the less education they get, um, 
and when they get out, it won't make us any safer. Right. More I mean, likely that they'll... Last month, or a few weeks ago, I toured the, the Roundtree facility, which was so fascinating in Watsonville. And they're basically implementing a smaller version of Prop 57 in their prison. I mean, in their jail, kind of. Um, they have a system set up where it is if a person is, is completing all these classes and all this education, and if they go out into the community and they write a letter of amends, and if they get people to sponsor them and write letters of recommendation, mm-hmm. that they can appeal to ha- get like a 40, 45 days earlier, they can get released with a, um, electronic monitoring. I mean, to kind of test, like, well, let's, let's try to reintegrate you into your home, into yeah. your community gently rather than there's the door right you know here's your bus fare yeah help people out and then stay connected to them they're talking about um implementing a program where they call people and check in with them um and see how they're doing um and and uh, i was totally impressed with that rehabilitation center that's growing they're going to be building a whole new they are building a whole new facility with 67 more beds and um and we're, I think a lot of counties are stressed out about reform because they're sort of, they're sort of fast tracking most of the prisoners into the prison system. Yeah. And we're lucky in Santa Cruz, we send like the second fewest people to the prison system, second only to San Francisco. So we didn't get a lot of people bounced back from Prop 47, whereas some counties must have, I would guess, um, if you look at places like Fresno. Yeah. Inland Empire and stuff, they have like a bullet train yeah. <laughs> right to the prison. <laughs> we don't want you here, you know, and, and then what? Yeah. What are they going to learn and what are they going to do? Yeah, and there's it, – it's also one of those things, you know, so many people – are all about the punitive aspects of prison and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And, you know, hey, you break the law, you deserve to suffer mm-hmm. and all of that. And I don't disagree with that in theory, you know, but um, it's I a, felt that. <laughs> yeah. uh, vengeance was mine. I've, I've felt that. Like, yeah, I, especially it. if you're a victim of a oh, crime. Oh, man, you they're know? facing 25 years. Great. That's Whereas, not enough. I know. You know? <laughs> I felt that. And and that's a, that's a but you know you time. but giving somebody you know the same sentence for uh, selling a dime bag of weed as for some other similar drug crime is or or not even remotely similar drug crime would be a better way to put it yeah. is um, is just silly it just doesn't make any sense and and then you know i don't even know if we want to add this to the stack but you know you've got uh i was listening to van jones yesterday on oh, on uh axelrod's show I love, I love i love van jones so much but yeah. one of the things he was talking about you know talking about him growing up and his early you know uh edu- you know his, his college and you know going to yale and um you know, he went to University of Tennessee West or something. I can't mm-hmm. remember what it was called. And then he gets to Yale Law School. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's, he's describing how the reaction of the other students when he got there, not welcoming him, acting mm-hmm. like, what is this guy doing here? And, da, 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 da. and he's like, and those were the other black students. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, they went to Brown and Andover and, you know, mm-hmm. all of that. And they're like, what's this kid doing here? But, 
one of the things that he talks about is, you know, he's like, kids at Yale were doing drugs hand over fist, you know, and when one of them got caught, they went to rehab, and the kids over in New Haven, when they got caught, they went to jail, you know. Obviously, there's a racial component there, yeah. right? There's also income component there and all of that. kind. Of, so that's a whole nother thing is, attorney. you know, yeah, yeah, is, you know, depending on what neighborhood you live in also can determine what punish you, push, what punishment you get for the crime that you get convicted of, right. you know? So I met a woman online. You won't believe this is just too hard to believe in San Diego County. Her son was um you know a, a drug user stole tape decks out of garages and first striker second strike and um, then he he had a third he would put together some sobriety and then he would relapse and steal something from a car and um he he got a third strike he is in prison for 70 years yeah that's that's that doesn't doesn't that sound unreal? It, like there must be something wrong with this story. It it and would if I hadn't heard it so many times. Real, you know, yeah. But that's that county. So there's so many disparities. That's why we really are a bubble. I mean, there are counties, and you can even look up how many children that they try as adults mm-hmm. and the, the ratio of, of uh, ethnicity. Um, and Santa Cruz County is better than some, but. but um, the other piece of Prop 57, which I think this community really resonated around, it really got to, is um, is the the reversing Proposition 21 from many years ago. That I I don't know, maybe I voted for it. I, I haven't always been the most informed voter, mm-hmm. so now I feel okay if I leave a few things blank. <laughs> when I was younger, I had to fill in that scantron. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And um, um, but you know, the judges should be given the authority to yeah, make that decision. I agree. And and the time to interview mm-hmm. teachers and social workers and conduct a fitness hearing and um not just, you know, have a twenty I think was it forty eight hours that our district attorneys are given yeah. to make that decision that life. Well and they you know, and they've got so much pressure the DA right to you know from the victim's family and 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 just the community at large depending on what the crime is is you yes. know um judges are far more neutral way more, They're more it's under um, i think they, it's understood that they are yeah they have to be and they have to stay out of the political fray and they um they look at each case individually and each situation individually and um, i had a fascinating conversation with a, um with a retired judge and um, and it's the, the the trends that we've seen over the last twenty or thirty years um, have been so um, in, incredible. Um, I grew up during the era of polyclass kidnapping. Yeah. And um, I grew up under the era of the Central Park Five, and I and those two, just those two crimes right there, we held up youth as monstrous mm-hmm. in Central Park. Right five teenagers they had to get somebody really quick and with polyclass the same thing they created this guy who had just gotten out of prison right, right? and of course he wasn't in prison for uh, murder or rape or you know how do you hold someone accountable for a crime they haven't committed yet right? yeah like if you go to prison for um burglary 
and then you're released and 10 years later you get in a fight and you shoot someone are they going to hold that up as look he was in prison right we let him out somebody would for sure somebody would for sure there's no doubt yeah and you can't you know if and then what about the concept of having paid your debt to society too oh, you know feel, yeah. there was a time when i think i think people actually thought that once upon a time that was you committed your crime You've you got convicted, head. you did your time, and now you're back. You know, right. and now, and now background checks. And yeah, now, now you are just tainted. You might as well have a scarlet letter on you. you right, know? and I can understand that for certain instances, like uh, teachers. That sure, are, and for certain crimes. Right, and for certain crimes, and um, and so that was part of the um, movement around Prop 47 was second chances and. You know, decriminalizing um, substance use, you know, for personal use. Yeah. And um, which I totally support, which will forever be under fire as being the um, the root of all thefts that happen today. But <laughs> yeah. if you, if we didn't have Prop 47 on the table, so prior to 2014, in 2013 and 12 and 11 and 10, when there were, you know, 500 break-ins in in Santa Cruz. What do we blame it on? We didn't have 47. We mm -hmm. probably blamed it on substance use, sure. addiction, and mental health. I mean, all those things. So we've taken those things out of the equation, and now people are just saying, it's Prop 47, it's mm -hmm. the get-out-of-jail-free card. Well, there's a few other things that go into that. Mm -hmm. And if... There's a study out there, and I am looking for it, and I am really open to reading it, but I there is no study that that proves that that is responsible for any crime in any community anywhere in California. Cause Letting nonviolent people out, you mean? No. Um, Proposition 47, which was um, oh. reducing the... Uh, oh, that was they had to get it down under a certain... $950, or and if you get arrested with uh, drugs on you um, for personal use, it's now a misdemeanor. Like right. It used to be... Yeah, that's right. I voted seemed for more that. People as got a public health issue, right? right? So... Um, there have been studies done, but there's no, there's communities in California that have lower property crime, higher property crime. They had a lot of people sent down to their county, uh, Prop 47, sent back to their county jails mm -hmm. for Prop 47. There, there hasn't been a uniform. It, it should pretty much be the same throughout the state. Like if everybody's doing the same thing. Um, and we have really expensive housing. It's hard to um, support your drug habit if sure. you aren't stealing. So um, anyway, I, I'm i still, like I said, I'm already going to be for the next justice yeah. reform that comes <laughs> down the pike, and there's going to be more needed. Um, this is, you know, to lower our population by several thousand is great, but we're still spending way too much money. Yeah. California's got issues when they've got a $10 billion prison system they've got to fund. And that's a lot of money. Yeah. And yeah, I I'm agree. I'm so thankful. It looks like about 75% of the people in Santa Cruz County read through the issues, listened to the hyperbole and the scare tactics, mm -hmm. and um, and realized that it's it's forward movement in the right Yeah, direction. I th I, th I, th I think I'm part of that 
mm-hmm. group you know i i guardedly optimistic sort of mm-hmm. I, I i i wanted i want that to be the direction that we move i would have liked it to have been a little bit different mm-hmm. but um but i thought still think it's the moving in the right direction so mm-hmm. and just like anything else in order to get anything even on the ballot you've got to concede things to people you've got you know i think that's one of the things that people don't understand when right. when it comes to these kind of things is you know one or two elected officials don't just get to go okay here's what we want and this is you know oh, it, it goes it through gets, committee it goes yeah. through and people go no we don't like that well our my constituents don't like this or well, mine demand this litigation. And, i think they tried to sue to keep it off of the ballot whoever they is but um but yeah there's probably the ones who have the ballots. prison guards on there yeah side. they're gonna lose their yeah. customer base yeah exactly <laughs> you know so the correctional officers weren't fond of it because they need sure people that's where we've gotten ourselves in this situation where we have built what 22 prisons in the last however many and now we've had to be full we don't really want to be in that no situation. no can't we just make them into malls or something if they I if know. they end up empty they're usually they not in. They're usually not exactly right. in the most accessible area, I right. guess. <laughs> but you know, young, healthy, rehabilitatable people can come out into the community and get to work and mm-hmm. raise their kids, and hopefully, their kids won't follow in the next generation of incarcerated people. I mean, yeah. if we reunify communities and families and um, and help people heal and get better and um, and with monitoring and supervision, mm-hmm. if anything is possible, people change. They do every day. Well, you know, that's one of the things that one of the first things, speaking of Van Jones, that's one of the first things he ever did was he saw this green technology, solar technology mm-hmm. and stuff. He was in Oakland, I think, at the time. I read that. And, you know, he's like, oh, all these solar panel things and stuff like mm-hmm. that, that's starting up and they need people to install them and we've got all these people getting fresh out of jail Mm -hmm. that need work Mm -hmm. let's put these two together and he ends up starting a whole foundation and blah 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 you know and um you know and so there's there's that kind of right things too that that people you know i mean this is you know I don't know if we want to get into the nimbiness of this state or at least, you know, but it's so, it's just dry. It's like, I've got mine. I don't care about anybody else. Yeah. Is And it's not just people around here. It's people all over the country. It is, you know, it's where the immigration thing comes from. It's where, yeah. you know, so many, and and it's just, it's so frustrating to me that, that it's like, well, I worked hard and I sacrificed and I got what I want and now fuck everybody else and i'm healthy and i have no medical complications and i have no family complications so but if you're not healthy and if you are disabled and if you do have disabilities with learning then uh Mm -hmm. uh-oh for you so yeah the total lack of um empathy for it yeah is um is astonishing to me but um somehow i like this there's a lot going on in California. There's a lot going on in the nation. We'll we'll see how it all folds. Yeah, but I'm. I you know you started to say something earlier that um, and then we sort of 
went off on another on another tangent, but uh, you know, you were alluding to it'll be interesting to see what what changes after mm-hmm. this election. Where 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 do we decide to take it? And that brings me back to that whole learning how to have a conversation mm-hmm. with people who disagree. You know, and um, all right, I'm going to try. This will probably be the last time I throw his name out there. But Van Jones did this uh, recent messy uh, truth. Messy truth. Oh, Have you seen yeah, it? I saw one. It's of fantastic. Them. Yeah. Uh, there's three I'm, episodes. They're like, ten how, minutes long. How can you do that? I know. It's he yeah. is the stays cool, cool, calm, and collected, and yeah. actually gets these people to start communicating yeah. with him. And it's. You know, it, it's hard to watch the first few minutes of every one of them because it's just, oh, it's those people. It's those people. I can't stand it. Them and us. And then, yeah, and and her and she and her. And, right. and, you know, they won't talk about they won't talk about why they're supporting Trump. They only want to talk about what a monster Hillary is. And right. he just he he's like, we're not here to talk about that. Yeah, we're here to talk about Trump, but where and he stays calm, and he's like he doesn't attack them, and he doesn't call them morons, and he doesn't call them bigots, and he, yeah. you know, he shows them that it's a safe conversation, and the next thing you know, they're making some sense they're, at and least. They know each other. See, this right. is the thing when you don't know the other person who has an opposite point. mindset yeah. of you. It's easy to just separate yourself from them and write them off. Yeah, he endears himself to them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, it, you know, and I, I can't, I, I don't um, really have a, a, a means of practicing that in my life, but I am really <laughs> eternally curious. Like, yeah. What drew you to vote um, for Donald Trump? Right. I mean, what was appealing rather than, yeah, I hate Hillary, but. Right. But somehow he was able to sit these people down and, and for them to share, like, no, I care about these people. These are my neighbors. This is a small town. Yeah. Um, we don't see eye to eye on this issue. That was so. There's the kid with the Make America Great hat on again in the third episode. Mm-hmm. In, God, you've got, there's three episodes. I'm going to link to them on the website for mm-hmm. sure. And in the third one, there's this kid wearing the red hat and he's just itching for a fight. You can mm-hmm. see it in his face. He's just like, oh, I can't wait until this guy talks to me. I'm, I'm ready. And he does. And uh, that's all I'm going to say other than it ends up completely different than yeah. you're going than you think going in. It's really worth watching. And it's, and it's proof. It's absolute proof that it's possible to have this conversation, oh, you know, really? and you don't nobody walked out of the room agreeing yeah you know oh, that's the, you bring up a good point i'm so guilty of this uh, having a conversation so that you can change their minds so they think like you yeah that's not gonna happen that <laughs> is like to just be heard and listen and um that's that's the challenge is that, um, but that's all any of us want. Yeah, is to be yeah. heard. You know, yeah. and I, I would like to change a few thousand minds. <laughs> well, that would I'm be, not that powerful. That would be nice, but right? But no, wait. One more conversation, one more argument, and you will see things right. like I do, I and you'll see how I right do the I same am. thing. And then you'll go, "Oh, Denise, you're right. You're right. I know you're yeah. right." Yep. So, I'm going to talk to him one more. This is yeah. the conversation that's going to yeah. do it. I know I do the same thing. And, um, 
you know, but I do have, I have two friends in particular who both live on the East Coast that we are never going to agree on politics, ever. Mm -hmm. But we have learned how to have conversations about politics mm -hmm. without just screaming and yelling and mm -hmm. calling each other names, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but if I see somebody just some loudmouth on Facebook. I can't help myself, you know? And then I feel like an idiot the next day. But then I feel like, yeah, so hitting the enter key, that's the best part. Exclamation point. Especially, I usually tend to come up with some, you know, I finish my last paragraph and then I oh, and there's make a edit, space and then I've got the, thing. and then I've got my last, because the one that I was using right after the, uh, <laughs> right after the election is I was, and I was being very calm and reasonable. I was very proud of myself. And I would say to the Trump supporter, you know, I hope that you are prepared to be held responsible for whatever happens the demise under, his, of Western you know, civilization. under his administration. And then the end of the world. And then new line. Because you're going to be. <laughs> <laughs> We're paying attention. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, like dun, dun, that's dun, my uh, that's my action hero yeah. tagline, you know, yeah. because you're going to be. Yeah, that is, that is, uh, that, that will be. And every single one of those people lesson. read what I wrote yeah. and was like, oh, look at this jackass. They didn't pay yeah. any attention, you know? know? And, and that's the thing, like, it, the internet's a terrible place <laughs> to have a conversation. It's a good place to say, I think this because, and then drop it. Yeah. Because there's no, you're not going to change anyone's mind. Yeah. You're not going to convince, which is. You know, but what can potentially happen, you know, using the, the, you know, the, this conversation that these conversations that Jones had in, and it was in, uh, all three of them were in, uh, Gettysburg, Pennsylvania too, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, and, you know, if he goes back and sits down with those people again, they're already gonna feel safe and they're gonna have another mm -hmm. conversation. And, if that continues, and I'm just using that as an analogy, right? Mm -hmm. This could be me and somebody else or, or two elected officials or whatever. Mm -hmm. Eventually, at some point, you realize we're not that fucking different after all. Mm -hmm. You know, within a certain low percentage, we want most of the same stuff. Right. We have different ideas on how to go about doing it. We have different ideals mm -hmm. and things like that. But end of the day most of what people want is all the same is there a way that we can figure out that you get most of what you want and i get most of what i want and we both make a couple of concessions here and there that's the way it's supposed to work mm -hmm. you know but it's never going to work that way again unless we start talking to each other instead of screaming at each other mm -hmm. you know and Time i will tell it, you know, maybe, you ever, I mean, um, what, what was it that Michelle Obama said? When they go low, <laughs> we go high. Yeah, maybe. But now in hindsight, I'm thinking they, <laughs> so, so seriously. That's the mistake we made. Now we need well, to go lower. God you know damn it. How you don't want to run a defensive, like if somebody says you're a. You're a you, crook. No, I'm not. Right. Like yeah. you don't want to. You don't want to validate yeah. their accusation by even defending it. Yeah, me like, doth think you're a, okay, the lady for, doth for protest too much. Barack Obama, you're what did they? You're an 
illegal immigrant. Well, I can't even remember what the birther movement was around. Oh, he yeah. wasn't born in Hawaii. Well, it is from yeah, Kenya. Yeah, he's born in Kenya. Yeah. Trump invented it. So he didn't oh. even respond. It was so ridiculous. Yeah. It was so not an issue. Yeah. He spent years not in spot. You know, of course, he was also bigot. already in office. Yeah, I know. It's kind point. of a little bit ludicrous. <laughs> you got to, yeah. But, but you've also got, you're not trying got. to get into office. Yeah. That made, so there is this thing like, um, don't validate it by responding. But at a certain point, I wonder if they should have just done a look. There were 11 hour Senate hearings, there's been 10 investigations to the tune of millions of dollars. No charges were ever filed because there was no, mm -hmm. nothing that, there were no grounds for Well, and the idea that the FBI and is since a... since we do have that thing called innocent until proven guilty, mm -hmm. it apparently, this person wasn't even charged, so therefore they wouldn't be guilty of, so therefore they wouldn't be called criminals, so... All right, let me throw something out at you. Because this is... I don't understand server. Just tell me. Let me just tell you that much. This is, this is the type of thing that everybody's doing right now, right? If only. <laughs> no. Donald Trump has been accused of rape, of sexual harassment, of all these things. He hasn't been convicted of any of it. Mm -hmm. But we're all running around as though he's guilty. Yeah, let's... You know, it's this. It's the same thing. Yeah, I know. It's the same thing. The... It's like all you have to do these days is accuse somebody of something, and the people that don't like that person will believe that they did it. Mm -hmm. You don't have to prove it. The damage is done by the accusation. Mm -hmm. That's not only true for politicians. That's true for everybody. If yeah. I got accused of peep peeping in on some 15-year-old girl or something right. like that, I'd be a pariah. Yeah, I know. Didn't matter if they had a lick of proof. Especially since we have instant news. It doesn't have to be true. Mm -hmm. It just needs to be instant. Yeah. And then you try to retract it. Mm -hmm. You know, people are wrongly accused. And it happens all the time, even yeah. in Santa Cruz, and sadly. But fortunately, we have an amazing people do what I hope fair trial and fair process. But, yeah, I think um, for the most part, but to a certain extent, the damage is done I just know. by the frivolous accusation, you know, right. and it also takes away from the real crimes, right? right. It, you know, that takes up court time, it takes up lawyer's time, it takes money, it takes, right. it, you know, just to try and ruin somebody's reputation, right? you know, and... You don't want to get into that, he said, she said, but it takes some professionals to sort through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's where I go. Yeah, it's like one of my, you know, this isn't exactly an example of that, but uh, sort of a callback to Snopes and a callback to urban myths and things like that. There's this thing every year. It's about due to come back now is this uh, Facebook post of an email written by a Marine. Uh, who claimed to have asked Starbucks to supply coffee to the Marines in Iraq back. This is, I mean, this thing's like 15 years old or something. And it must be a Christmas claimed <laughs> that claimed that they refused. We do not do that sort of a thing and this, that, and the other. And it turned out the guy who wrote it he was he he had done it, but he had gone about it in the wrong way. I don't remember exactly what it was, but he did post this thing mm -hmm. on online out of anger, 
it immediately got picked up and went viral, right? It was like fucking Starbucks, man, 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 man. Within less than a day, I think it may have been hours, he actually got an email from Starbucks saying, you know, sure, we'll do that. You know, you just, you got to go through the right channels. That's all you got, you know. Uh, and so he immediately goes back online and goes, hey, everybody disregard what I said. That late. was too, it's still circulating, it's you know, and it, it it's at least a decade old. And every time I see it, I, you know, I should just have the link on my clipboard by now because yeah. I got to go to Snopes and I got to put in Starbucks Marine, enter, there it is, copy link, paste, yeah. you know. Okay, and, well, you have to tell me if I ever post some article <laughs> that's totally bogus. I mean, I'm trying to. Well, the thing is, the know, start, everything the that you're posting right now is also brand new. Like it, it'll take time before right. it can, if it if it is, if it is inaccurate, it'll take time fake. before it can be debunked. And that's one of the other things is, you know, are you how how are people even now putting out erroneous information just to, and. And it wouldn't surprise me if there are people out there taking advantage of the current frenzy that everybody's in and just putting out even more I know. fake stuff. I you know. know. So I have to look away at some point. And the, okay, the other it's a totally different podcast. The other article that we talked about was the one in the Rolling Stone about fear. Mm, and, yeah. Um, fear and, and anxiety like the difference between anxiety and the difference between fear and they didn't really talk too much about it but risk like you know we are afraid of isis we are afraid of school shootings mm -hmm. we are afraid of um, bombings and but the actual risk um thankfully is really minuscule or yeah. there are actually other things that are much higher risk mm -hmm. like a traffic accident right or um getting hit by a drunk driver or like there's many numerous other life threatening things that are hired that we don't even talk about. Yeah. But that, that thing that's in the news that we are um, driven by and, and I'm not trying to, to minimize the effect of ISIS. That's a nightmare of complex proportion. Um, uh, and, um, but if well, we only it, took some of that energy to address some of the other things that are hundred percent, hundred percent, and equally as dangerous to a society or a community or a city or a school. Or, well, not only that, but and I agree with you a hundred percent. And it's a yes and thing. It's you know, there's also everybody, and you know, I'll probably, I'll probably get some emails on this comment, but. Um, Everybody clamoring for transparency in in the CIA and the and the Pentagon and you know all this kind of stuff. Trust me, people. You don't want to know everything oh, yeah. that they know. Yeah. If you did, you'd never sleep again. Know. You know, it's like let's let them do their jobs. When there's something we need to know, they'll tell us. Yeah. That's the way I feel about it. I honestly yeah. do. It's like yeah. I don't. I don't want to know how many potential terrorists they've caught coming into the country. Yeah. I don't want to know. Oh, I just you want to? Here's another. My da <laughs> my dad, bless his heart, gets some email from TSA about every month their total of the guns that they. Oh really? Who flies with even 
tweezers. <laughs> right? I mean, having gone through the stages of airport security, every month they collect weapons. Yeah. That's. So I know. I know. Occasionally, what happens is people just forgot Forget that, they that it was. To be walking it was, around. No, it's usually it's it's been in, in the their bag. suitcase since yeah. they they used their suitcase to go to their cabin. Yeah. You know, and they took their pistol with them. Yeah. You know, and then put it back in the closet right. and then packed it to go on to the airport and then they get there and they're like, oh Oops. shit, Oops. Uh, you know. Yeah. And it cracks me up that in you know whenever I'm standing in line. And I have carried a handgun, you know, mm-hmm. open and concealed. And anytime I'm standing in the airport and there's that big sign and it tells you you can't bring bombs, explosives. and, and <laughs> You have to you go know, run back to your car. You know, and, but then there's always one. <laughs> and then there's always one that says, are you carrying a firearm? Yeah. And, and it's always got a picture, nice big picture in profile of a handgun. Yeah. And I, you know. That I agree with you completely. As somebody who has carried, yeah. uh, really, I'm gonna get, in, I'm gonna be in line and go. Right. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Shit. Ah, uh, can you guys hang on to this for me until I get back Hold from Florida? Flight. I got it right. <laughs> I know, because <laughs> I don't have time to go home and put it back in my safe. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree completely. But, I was mad because they were complimenting but, my shampoo and conditioner. <laughs> right. It was like expensive. And there's this huge tub, and I want to know where all that conditioner goes. <laughs> yeah, do they at least take it to the homeless shelter or something? I know. You know, or can I have it back? It was sixty <laughs> bucks. But yeah, we—that's <laughs> another podcast. But the other thing, lost at security check. That would be great. We did right. lose. Any, a anybody pipe has that? Write us. You know, write into the show. Uh, Lifeofrileypod at gmail.com. Tell us any weird stuff that you yeah. had confiscated by TSA. Yeah. But it the thing be, is, is <laughs> the reason that those signs are there is because they have to be there. Yeah. That's what's scary, right? Yeah. Is if those signs weren't there, people would be like, well, there was no sign. <laughs> Didn't I say know. I couldn't bring my hand grenade. You know, it, it, I know. it's like a comedian. And I can't remember who it was. Like they're looking through your bag and it's getting x-rayed. And I, I had this sweaty anxiety <laughs> like, oh, my God, they're leaking. And I'm like, Denise, there's nothing in there. Come on. But I'm as innocent as the day the long, only I'm so convinced they're going to find something. That I, I, I never, I always know they're not going to find anything, obviously. But I'm what I so do. I'm not so sure, but I'm, <laughs> I have nothing to hide. But what I do sometimes get, because I often take a lot of electronics in my carry-on. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll have my laptop. I'll have two iPads. I'll have all the charging cords. I'll have headphones. I'll have, you You're know. You're who so... I need to sit next to because I always forget my charger. <laughs> forget my headphones. <laughs> So I imagine that my carry-on going through the, the it's it looks like a bomb. I would imagine, <laughs> right? It's just all of these rectangular components yeah. with all these wires and stuff. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, that's all they look at all day, so they know what you know. I but know. Um, but that's the only thing that's ever crossed my mind is you know, are they gonna? You know, are they going to say, why do you have, yeah, we're, we we just need to have a little look. And I, you a know. A closer look on you. But I do get, I do get pulled out of line at TSA a lot. As I've never do been you. actually like taken into the other room or anything like that. But oftentimes they'll be like, oh, I need to check your inner right thigh or, oh, I need to check your, you know, like when I went to pick Taylor up at the airport the other day, I got a gate pass so I could meet her at the gate and. 
when I went through, after I went through the spinny spin thing, um, the guy's like, you know, hold your arms up. And, I, and he, I, he needed just to check like this one certain area mm -hmm. between my underarm and my waist. Mm -hmm. And then I was free to go. And that's, that's happened to me a bunch of times. It's happened to my husband and um, in other countries when they say, step over here into this room. And he said, no. I'm not gonna do. That. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he and there was a guy in line with him, like, yeah, you have to do this. Yeah. And uh, um, I can't remember how that one turned out. Well, obviously he's fine. But I think he <laughs> did ask someone else to come. I forget where it was, but um, it was nervousness. There's no choice in the matter. Right. You do it or you're arrested. Yeah. I mean, this was where I think it was Brazil. But don't quote me on that. But anyway, it's on. The air now, <laughs> but but there is like you you don't have any choice. You, no, you you do this. Well, you don't have a choice here either. You're out. You know, yeah. if they want to take you into the room, you're going in the room. Right. You right. know, it's yeah, uh, yeah. And we've gotten better, and they've gotten everybody's getting more used to it, and um, it's not. Uh, it, the, it still depends on which airport in this country you go to. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, Philly. Weesh. Yeah, or how tight they are. Yeah, San Francisco airport is the most thorough TSA I've been through yeah. in a long time. Yeah. They, they take their time. It's annoying as hell, yeah. but they, they're not, uh, at least this past week, they weren't like, you know, usually the person looks at your boarding pass, looks at your yeah. ID, goes, have a nice flight, and then they're yeah. on to the next person. But these people were taking it, holding up the ID and comparing it to your face. i learned, and, do not tell a joke at that moment. No, bad idea. You don't have a sense of humor. <laughs> no. That, didn't go very well. No, but and most that. of them don't seem to enjoy their no. jobs at all. I would, yeah, I wouldn't want yeah. that job. But if for people with a certain personality, it would be a great job. You know, for the guy that can, like... Black and white. You know. Rule followers. Yeah, but there's policies. there's the one guy that's that that you know has to announce you know make sure you take your belt off and your shoes you know imagine the guy working in you know Ghirardelli Square up in San Francisco back in yeah. the day juggling and doing magic that guy would be perfect for that yeah. job because he's got the pattern down. They have assistance at TSA because it's very if if you're alone or if you've got a stroller and kids or if you're uh, maybe haven't flown in ten years. Oh, yeah. It's really hard to keep up with all the changing technology and printing boarding passes or having it on your phone. Sure. I mean, it's really fast-paced in the way it's evolving. And I think yeah. they need to have a little personal assistance to help the dazed and confused like myself. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, any of the other people. I mean, I talk to so many seniors and they just, I don't fly anymore. Oh, uh, really? Sad. Yeah, that is but kind of a drag. so... Um, you know, hard to catch up and keep up with the technology. Yeah, I mean, but at the same time, you can find anything you need on the internet. And yeah. I, you know, when I hadn't traveled in a while, and before I started traveling again, I, you know, I just went on the internet and it was like, here's what you can expect at TSA. This is what we're going to want, you know, and, but that's also just sort of the type of guy I am. That's mm -hmm. what I do because I don't want to be. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be dazed and confused when I get there I because those people drive me crazy. You know yeah. what I mean? When I'm in line and I know what the protocol is and I just want to get through. Grab and go. And Grab there's and everybody. It's the slow people in the buffet oh, line. Exactly. <laughs> Come on. Uh, standing up, behind somebody. <laughs> standing behind somebody at the coffee condiment station in the morning when they're oh there's no time oh, a little bit of cinnamon and no. then i'll stir it and give it a little taste oh no no just a little more right over them. oh it drives me crazy 
<laughs> Patience is uh, a stick of dynamite. No, I'm just like, yeah, I got it. Yeah. So, so it's that when it, you know, when somebody gets to, when somebody gets to the front of the TSA line where you've been hearing recordings and there's been signs posted and everything that says, have your boarding pass and ID ready. And they get there and they have no, Oh, unzip the pocketbook. Oh, that was that person. Ah! That was that person. It was once, it was once a long time ago <laughs> in Colorado and I, it was such a turbulent flight. I was a wreck. And when they wanted all this stuff, I just handed her my purse. <laughs> and I said, I gotta go sit down. And, and they all got angry and, and then they came over to me and my husband had to come interview, but I couldn't. I was like, I don't know what little piece of paper you need, but I'm sure it's in this person. <laughs> <laughs> but um but I had I, my my disclaimer was I can't do turbulent flights. Yeah, it can be scary for yeah. sure. No, I'm not I'm not really very well versed in that. So I think what you need to do is a podcast with a Trump supporter and a Clinton supporter, and you can be the Van Jones. No. <laughs> That would be. I'd, I'm willing to give it a try. Uh, yeah, I, I'm. I'm very much I am working. Curious, like if you can just start from the point of curious without having a little bite, like so. Why? Well, he. I mean, but that's that the great stupid? thing, though, is when when they say stuff in that series that frustrates him, he lets them know. Yes. He's like, "How can you say that?" You know. Right. But then he calms back down. And he's like, "You know." Yeah. It's not that he's just letting them have their say, and right. he's not. You know, he's like, well, now wait a second. Right. You're okay with him admitting to sexual assault? You know, he asks right. a woman and she's like, oh, he didn't assault her. But, you know, <laughs> here's He's like, I've wait a second. Around. So if I went over and grabbed him by the groin, you'd be okay with that? You this know? is how I've come to accept that people are okay with that. Because obviously it's nothing that is okay. But I really think that it's just a sign of how comfortable our culture is with that and how like catcalling or yeah. saying you're going to grab a woman or people are just used to it. Yeah. Oh, that's the way they are. That there isn't, it, it's just the ocean we swim in. Like it's going to be years. And that ocean is way up. deeper than I, I now realize that that ocean is way deeper than I thought it was. And that's you just know. the ocean we swim in when people say, well, those people have different needs and those people should be in their own school and those people. Yeah. Like, they, you know. It, yeah, if you're being just, sexually harassed at work, find a new job. Yeah, or, well, your husband has insurance, so you don't really need to have <laughs> health care. Right. You know, aren't you married? Aren't you yeah. just going to get married? Yeah. You know, some of the other things that people have just are just used to. Yeah. So I think we're at a real cultural shift and and this is a defining moment or it won't be. It'll either be back to normal or it'll be an, a day when I think politics will come out of the dark. If one thing, then people can talk about politics amongst their friends and family. Um, and even if they all agree, the people that shy away, oh, I don't do politics, oh, I don't talk politics. Yeah. Like, well... Maybe that might not be the best tack to take, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so hopefully if we can come to a place where it's more comfortable to talk about it, it's more comfortable to pay attention to it and to read about it and to do your research and to educate yourself and to get involved at the local level or um, get involved in one candidate or one cause or one issue. Yeah. But um, um, And hopefully all of mine. 
(laughs) (laughs) Well, of course. You know, and don't take all that energy into getting Trump reelected in four years. I should caveat. There should be a caveat on that. But but yeah, don't take my advice and then make my life harder. I want you to vote, America, but not for somebody that I don't support. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll see. Well, Well, I do have um, I do have uh, a the the actually the same trump supporter friend that i mentioned earlier that lives in and he actually grew up in santa cruz believe it or not he lives in north carolina and has for quite a while um his whole family now his mom his brother uh, everybody's out there and um he and his girlfriend both asked to come on the show oh like i mean he's like we you know because he saw everything that I, you know, everything that I post on Facebook and all this yeah. kind of stuff. And I don't remember, oh, I did a, I did an episode where, uh, what was that guy's name that wrote Understanding Trump? Lykoff? Yeah. Uh, and I just read the article. I just read the essay. That was the whole episode. Because I'm like, it's a really long article. I know people aren't going to sit down and read the whole thing, but maybe they'll listen to it while they're in their car. So I'm just going to read it, uh-huh. right? That may have been the thing that sparked him oh, because, you know, I get this message mm-hmm. on Facebook Messenger and he's mm-hmm. like, me and my girlfriend want to come on your show. And I was like, great. I, you know. And Where are they in North Carolina? Outside of Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a friend in um, Chapel Hill mm-hmm. or Raleigh-Durham. Or, I don't know. There's some triangle there. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're out. They're pretty rural. He and his he owns a. They build race car engines and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's you know one of the things that one of the points that he makes is you know, X number of years ago, we were selling, we were building these racing engines that cost our customers tens of thousands of dollars, mm-hmm. and now everybody has scaled back their operations. They're racing much cheaper cars because none of them have any money anymore. Mm. you know so it's affecting his bottom line it's affecting his kids it's affecting you know Mm -hmm. so it's this this domino effect that that he has seen over these years is is a huge huge part of the reason for the the way his politics are right now Mm -hmm. and um in in addition he's he's always been a republican it's the self-interest that's what i have a hard time with like okay so you need a job or your business is suffering or your okay that's important but can you ever look at the greater good for a small a community or what's well that's what he's but that's what he's saying state. is the reason he's seeing it yeah it, his bottom line is affected is because of all of the people that because he does not provide a necessarily a necessity yeah you know what I mean right. this is a hobby for a lot of people right. and and things like that it's a luxury right. to a certain extent that's a hard and and, but, you know, these people, you know, and I don't know how many actually professional race car drivers he sells to or any of those details, but, um, but it's just like, you know, if you own a, uh, you know, I don't know, think of some other expensive item that not everybody needs that when everybody's, you know, in the high cotton, they're going to be buying them. And then when they're not, it's one of the first things that they cut back on, right. you know, so it's a, I mean, look at what and, happened here in the recession. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a good example. Yeah. And, and then and, it went down to like getting your hair cut. <laughs> you know, people quit. Right, they cut right. back on. Yeah. And this is a guy I've known done. most of my life. He's not stupid. He's not a racist. He's yeah. not, 
yeah. a bigot. He's not, you know, and but but he's and he can he yeah. can explain why he is making the decisions that he's making and i don't agree with him yeah you should do but it. he can articulate I, his I'm you know. open to hearing but it's hard to hear yeah i watched uh, like the conventions and stuff it was a little painful but it was a lot yeah but it's um it's an interesting time that's all i gotta say and all we have to do is stay abreast of the situation pay attention to who's being appointed make our voices heard and um and shut maybe talk to each other yeah maybe. talk to each other be good and pay attention <laughs> to the world and Paul, i yeah we'll see how yeah. the rest of the world can handle us yeah that, oh man we even even touched on the international <laughs> we need four years yeah. of no international crisis yeah. we can't have any yeah everybody just cuz i don't want hold your horses to talk for to four Trump. years <laughs> I don't want there to even be a, a you know, a, a crisis here. I just look at all the ways that Barack Obama held himself together, Sandy Hook, all these. Yeah, we'll see. Future. Yeah, brings. I did. I did like hearing that. You know, and this is kind of mean spirited, but I did kind of like hearing that after Trump's initial meeting with Obama, everybody said that he looked like oh Ashen. my. God, I did not know what I was. He thought it would take fifteen minutes to yeah. learn how to be the president. And yeah. It took a little well, I mean, I can imagine that all they had to do was tell him about the morning briefing, and he went, "What every day?" <laughs> you know I what know. I mean? Like, I, I have to hear. I have to talk yeah. to the Joint Chiefs and everybody else every morning because there's going to be new shit to deal with every day, even on your day off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but he's not going to take any vacations. Yeah, and he's he not going to live in the White House. He's going to live in this tower. Yeah, people are going to love that. Right? The staff at the White House love that. <laughs> Did you see their picture? Yeah, the people that live in Manhattan aren't going to be real thrilled. He might as well shut down him. Fifth Avenue. You can have him. Yeah, no. There's <laughs> somebody, that was another joke I saw. Yeah, I'm just going to live in, you know, I'm just going to stay in Manhattan. It's like, like 3% of that island voted for you, dude. You really want to live there? <laughs> yeah, that might be why they're getting booed in the theater. Yeah. You know, you didn't Well, you know, and to. I thought, I also thought that was kind of a shame too because, hey, maybe he will learn something. Maybe, I mean, he's he's here. He's, you know, it's like, I would have been, if I was in that audience, I would have been so annoyed by mm -hmm. that. I, I mean, I would have been absolutely on cloud nine by what the cast did at the end, mm -hmm. but the disruption and the, you know, it's, it, that would have really, really, I'm like, how much did I pay for these tickets? Mm -hmm. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, okay. Somebody you disrespect and don't like just walked into the theater. I have a feeling there's you know. going to be a little bit more of this. Yeah. Guess what? And that, you know, that's the other thing too. I, mean, I hate to, I hate to Donald sound Trump like get golf balls with swastikas painted on him thrown at him in scotland did he really yeah oh wait i, so. I heard something some, about some golf journalist balls. pegged him with golf balls with swastikas i mean he, this is not oh, he's not a popular man a theater yeah it's no. gonna be more than just a theater especially if they leave the country um, i know it's, it's <laughs> frightening concept yeah. And it will, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah. Well, this has been I'm, a gas. Yeah. Uh, thanks yeah. so much for coming on. We're actually yeah. hit coming up on about two hours now. So it's probably, this is probably a good time to wrap her up.
Oh, um, thank you. And um, this was a great time. I, um, I, I will be collecting material to send you. Please do, absolutely, <laughs> and tell your and friends and topics. you know. And, and if you I'd, Skype people, um, I have some other friends that would be much more fun and knowledgeable to talk to. Oh, you were than, great. This is a blast. Than, uh, than me, because um, I'm, you know. I feel like I am qualified now since Donald Trump was qualified to run for and be elected as president. I've always felt like, you know, well, I'm just a mom of two and a hygienist. And we're like, no, never mind. I take that back. I'm going for the governorship. I'm going right. to go. Maybe not that. I mean, I'm going to run for president. Oh, I, well, I make absolutely no qualms about the fact that I have no qualifications for what I'm doing here I right have, now. Okay, so. that's good. Thinking outside the box. So, yeah. yeah. It just, you know, what, what yeah. makes it, what makes, you think yeah. I should listen to you? I have no idea, but I'm putting it out there. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to listen, I hope you do. But, yeah. You know. Well, look at my dog is happy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a buddy now. He's like, okay, as long as we're all together. Yeah. Um. There's another. So I wanted you to watch. Oh, I have to get the name of it. There's a fascinating story out of the. Uh, um, it was kind of a travesty of justice. Regarding the, let me get this wrong. It was a lacrosse team, North Carolina, a university. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I can't sexual remember harassment. That. Yeah, it and, was, uh, and it was all bullshit. Yeah, yeah, but it, it, there was, the mob was sent to send people to prison. Oh yeah, that there's is still people. There's still story. members of that members of that team that are feeling the repercussions of it oh, and yeah. they and they did nothing and and some of those members of that team are, have become attorneys oh yeah and um and are working like with the innocence project and people that are wrong i mean we get it right but we get it wrong too oh right? yeah i mean oh, yeah. look at the people that um president obama is um exonerating look at the people that are um DNA evidence 20, 30 yeah. years later that are now totally in, innocent. Their lives have been destroyed. Yep. They didn't get to see their children and their grandchildren because they, we had it wrong. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's an imperfect world. It's an imperfect system, but we have an obligation to make things right. I think. I agree. 100%. We're the better society. We're the better democracy. And we have yep. to live up to that. So, um, I'm fascinated with cases like that and cases where we got it wrong and where there was forgiveness and um, forward movement and forgiveness between the victim and the person that was wrong. I'm yeah. fascinated with yeah. those stories. Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's I've like, avoided – I know there's like a 30 for 30 or one of those other sort of documentaries about that story that's on Netflix. I've gone – I've scrolled past yeah, there's it a movie plenty of times and just been called. like – I just – Nope, not in the mood. Not yeah. in the mood. It's just gonna. It's just gonna make me angry. I don't want to watch well, it. You, you know. And but the thing, since you recommended, the reason I'll watch why it. I watched it is because of the. Um, actually, I watched it right after um, the um, the documentary that um, uh, that Lady Gaga wrote that song for. Till it happens to you about the students. They came on stage during the Grammys or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. they, there's a documentary about uh, sexual assaults on college campuses. Mm -hmm. And um, so it probably came up after that because we get it right. But, you know, maybe some of those accused um, aren't aren't guilty. And and some of the accused are um, completely 
um, beloved athletes and popular males, mm-hmm. and they, they it would look bad for the school if they were. right. So so you have this two this dichotomy going on. Yeah, it's pulling against and for each other, and and there's there's real lives in the balance that are caught in the middle, victims and perpetrators, and um and um and that's that's the fascinating fascinating story and. With it, with it, such an emotionally charged issue in the media right now, sexual mm-hmm. assaults on college campuses. Mm-hmm. I think we have to be mindful and aware that we don't want to create a witch hunt atmosphere where it's not appropriately, um, you know, the case of the the, the lacrosse team. That yes, was, that was just near disaster absolutely yeah. i mean that that's fast and we had you know within the last couple of years we had a female student at santa cruz or at uc santa cruz that made false accusations of rape yeah you know yeah i don't think she named anybody but she claimed that she was assaulted on campus that. and you know what do you do? You have to up the police force. You have to, you know, the whole campus goes into panic mode. Right. Everybody goes on their accounts. (laughs) Yeah. And then it turns out that she made the whole thing up, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, That happened a long time ago when I was coming up Beach Hill. I I used to play a lot of volleyball at Main Beach and there were all these posters on telephone poles about a rape that had happened one night. A woman was walking to her car and it had everybody on edge mm -hmm. and then it turned out you know, days and days and weeks later to be a fabricated story and but once you set off that panic yeah that that pandora's box is open it's really hard to take it yeah out. and it brings up the whole boy who cried wolf thing and you know i mean all of that yeah. kind of stuff it's just yeah. it's bad on every level to, you want women to come forward you want men to come forward and say this happened to me right believe me please hear my story you want you don't want to placate that and right and that, that that's kind of like maybe an unfortunate side effect of the, the um the the emotional response to the stanford swimmer and i, I kind of have tapered a little bit tempered myself a little bit on that but um but what's best for the community is that she heals and he gets better mm-hmm. so that they both can live on with some kind of um, recovery from the traumatic event yeah i think the I think the thing that outraged the people the most in that case, I know it was the thing that stood out the most for me was these, uh, that, that, that people came out and openly said, well, yeah, what he did was horrible, but he's a special case. So we can't really punish him because he's a really talented swimmer and stuff. You know, it goes back to what neighborhood you're from makes a difference when it comes to this kind of stuff. You okay, know? you really have to watch that other documentary <laughs> about the um, the girls that made this college campus. There's a NFL football player. Anyway, you really got to watch it. Okay, I the will. number one draft pick out of Florida State, Jameis and Jameis. Anyway, we wouldn't want to interrupt his football career, right? Because he was going places, and that is so sad. Hmm. So sad. Yeah, I'll look for that if you remember what it was called. Yeah, let me know. I have to look it up because I'll definitely check oh, it out. Oh, it's so fascinating, and having a son and and the the times that we live in, it is kind of a situation that's really only you know, like in the United States. So, what is it about our culture mm-hmm. that these children swim in, that these boys are growing up in, where women are object? Like, what is it? 
why is this not happening in England? Right. France? Like, what is it about us? And so that's the, that's the really good question. That is a good question. Ask is, um, is, you know, um, and it's not simple. I have to ask Luke and Hamish what it's like in New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't, they have, they have horrible domestic violence, but I don't know that they have this same culture of, yeah, like, um, as much as I hate that term, but the, the, um, the, 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 like what, what Denise was just talking about, this sort of somehow it seems like boys of a certain age, there's this unspoken, you're allowed to do X, Y, Z sort of, and where does that come from? And is that, is that specific to the United States? Is it specific to Western culture? Is it specific mm -hmm. to, you know, and because I definitely wasn't, I didn't have that sense of ability to do or entitlement to do. Is that because mm -hmm. I was raised by my mom? Mm -hmm. Is that, you know, I don't know, but, um, well, if you think, interesting you know, to think about. As a parent, I'm as liberal as I am. I mean, all you have to do is listen to some of the lyrics of songs, like things that would have never been uttered on the air. Uh, lots of hip hop songs and stuff for younger, sure. Yeah, is now just like what kids are singing to, and you know, there's this subliminal messaging um, um, that they're learning, and they're they're they're. Um, and when you compound it with the sports culture, mm -hmm. the macho, tough, gotta be strong, right? And then it, it's it's a um, it's a really uh, fascinating place to observe if you want to really get curious and think of like why, like mm -hmm. why is this an epidemic? Why is this now? And why wasn't it thirty years ago? Like what are we doing? And compounded by binge drinking, and, right? Um, a lot of other things that kind of um, contribute to a situation like that. Um, it's really mind mind bending. For sure, I love I love bending my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys are awesome. Thanks for oh, thanks, thanks for, for coming, coming on. This was so and, uh, much fun. Yeah. You any anything any final words before I stop recording? Anything you want to say to anybody who might be listening or anything? Like oh, that? I did print something out that I want to read from that absolutely okay incredible very long um, Rolling Stone interview. Um, and what is this? The, the, the article was about fear. Oh, okay, fear in politics, fear in um, sales and marketing, feels fear in political campaigns, um, and that it's a strategic tool. That, that works and it's very successful and um and the, the the very last couple paragraphs of the article it says um all this doesn't mean that we should completely unplug live in ignorance and accept terrorism murder racism sexism poverty human rights violations and all other problems in our world one instance of any one of these is too much it also doesn't negate the fact that technology has made it possible for one rogue person, group, or nation to cause mass destruction and death. The goal, however, is to separate real threats from manufactured ones and to find a balance where we are not so scared that we're making bad decisions that hurt us and our freedom, but not so oblivious that we aren't taking steps to protect ourselves. 
If we are to address the very real and numerous problems facing our country and our world today, we must do so without fear and anxiety, but with our heads clear and a sense of compassion for everyone, not just the people who look, like, or agree with us. The fact is, anything can happen in the future. For some people, that's exciting, and for others, that's scary. And even if both kinds of people are working toward a better world tomorrow, only one of them gets to be happy today. So anyway, I thought that was very interesting in the concept of, I would agree. of fear and anxiety and, um, and action. So. I think that's a perfect place to stop. Yeah. Thank you so Thank much, you. Denise. Yes, it is.